I mean, it's it's hard it's hard to compare, but I will say maybe the closest Esri product that can be compared to GeoNode is yes, RGS Online. Welcome to another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel, and this is a podcast for the geospatial community. Today, I'm going to be talking with Luis Bermudas. He is the CEO of the US branch of GeoSolutions. And today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about an open source geospatial content management system called GeoNode. Just before we get started with the episode today, I want to say a big thank you to OSGO for helping make this podcast episode possible. OSGO, if you're listening, I really appreciate your support. So if you haven't heard of OSGO before, you can go along to osgo.org and you'll see a whole bunch of really, really amazing open source geospatial projects which are well worth checking out. Hi, Luis. Welcome to the podcast. In just a minute, we're going to be talking about GeoNode. But I think before we do that, would you mind just introducing yourself and perhaps giving the listeners an idea of how you got involved in geospatial? Uh, thank you, Daniel, for the invitation. When I came to the U.S., I went uh, to Drexel to do a master's and PhD in environmental informatics. And that's where I started leading with how do you put data together from different sources. We had a project where we had to bring data from satellite sensor data and numerical models. At that point, this was... 20 years ago, there were not a lot of OGC standards or open standards. So it was really hard to do it. That point, I remember we were shipping Java objects, zip Java objects around from the client to the web. And then I went to Embarit, Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute, and we were doing real-time integration of sensor data. I was in charge of the architecture and uh, the APIs. And that's where I discovered that there were some APIs already being developed by OGC. Open Geospatial Consortium. So I started participating in working groups, learning more about geospatial, all the different standards. After that, I came to the East Coast. We were sharing numerical model data for hurricane season. This was all using OGC standards, so I had to learn in detail about how to architect when we want to do this in real time, like getting the models in real time, compare them to the sensors, calibrate them, get the input for the models. And uh, a position at OGC opened, for the compliance lead, then I went up to lead the innovation program where OGC does all the test beds and pilots where all the big challenges come, for example, for big data, for other type of data, you know, streaming video and such. How do you put all that together? Machine learning, what's the architecture to use open standards and use this, the best special architecture technology to be able to advance what agencies wanted to do. And then they asked about five years ago if uh, there was an open source server that can be part of these test beds. And that's how I got in contact with GeoSolutions because they are the leads of GeoServer. And we started participating together in projects. A year and a half ago, or about two years, I met them in a conference and they said that they were going to open an office in the US. And that's how we started the conversation. And then I opened the office in January last year. So that's briefly my story. Congratulations. You have come a long way. I, I realize you mentioned Java in there somewhere. Would you mind just letting us know what language you started programming in and how many different languages you've been through and perhaps where you are now in terms of how many languages you, you work with? Well, this was a long time ago. But when I was uh, in this company in Colombia, my first programming language was Visual Basic. We were doing a Microsoft Access, uh, let's say, network for customer services to interact with the customer. So I had like five stations. So I did all the program, all the forms, a little bit of Visual Basic here and there. 
So we had a, like a real time business information system. So I learned a lot about IT because I was developing. I had somebody that developed with me, but I did like half of the development. And then when I moved to Philadelphia to Drexel University, I was coding basically with Java. And when I moved to Embari, yes, I did also Java. So I was a Java developer. There are still some coding source forge, but this was all related to ontologies, <laughs> where we're trying to do like semantic interoperability and trying to merge different taxonomies from different communities to have this upper level of semantic interoperability that was needed. Oh, that's still needed because it's still like fairly new to, to some of people. Wow. Again, you, you've come a really long way. Right at the start, I said we're going to be talking about Geonode, and I think perhaps we should move in that direction now. So let's start with a really obvious question. What is Geonode? So Geonode is uh, a geospatial platform that is open source, meaning that allow users to search data, allow users to then have the link to access the data via an API. This is OGC, WMS, and WFS services. Allow the users to add data allow the users to edit data online, and allow to have what we call a content management system for geospatial data, where you can upload the data, create some metadata, others can add metadata, others can approve to see if these can be published to another group or to the public. And it has a nice viewer, because now MapStore is integrated with it, where you can not only preview the data, but also play with the data, style it, so on and so forth. You cannot only upload like vector data, shape files, and such, and raster data, but also you can upload documents that you can link with, for example, a map. So that's very useful. So you mentioned MapStore, and we've previously talked about MapStore on the podcast. So I, I will link to that in the show notes, just in, in case listeners are interested. You said that this is a content management system. Just so we're completely clear, would you mind describing how that might be different from a data management system? So a data management system is more like a database and you have a user interface where you interact with the data. Content management system is more general than data. And when I hear a CMS, my feeling is that there are more users and groups involved. Maybe a data management system is only a few users, but a content management system really wants to take advantage of having the users being able to log in, to interact between them, to have workflows, to have groups. So you're better able to manage the content that you're publishing. Okay, so that, that kind of speaks to this idea of having roles and permissions for users, like different levels of, of users. And I think it'd be really interesting to talk about that, that a little bit later on. But uh, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the platform first. So oftentimes platforms are made up of different components. Geonode, is it one component? Is it just out of the box Geonode or, or is it built on top of other components? So GeoNode is built on top of GeoServer and on top of PostGIS and has, as I said before, uh, using or MapStore is being used as the visual editor and uh, the way that users can see the data. That's the technology that is being used. Okay, and we, we talked about the content management system so users can upload and, and see data and, and people, can, people have different roles and responsibilities and, and they can do different things with the data. Could you talk me through what a, a workflow might look like with, with Geonode? So Geonode can be used internally or externally for the public. So usually what happens is that I upload a file 
I create some metadata. Maybe there is a metadata curator. This is in you know mid-large organizations that look at, at whatever was uploaded, adds more additional metadata, looks at the data to see if it is okay, looks at the preview. Sometimes it is also required to generate a nice thumbnail, add some other permissions. And once that is approved, maybe by this person, then the data is approved for publishing. And once that happens, it's just touching a button and then the data is made public to a group or to the public. So you said earlier that GeoNode is built on top of a Postgres database and a, a GeoServer instance. Does that mean that it can handle both vector and raster data? And, and if so, if I upload raster data, will that automatically be put somewhere where GeoServer can get to it and serve it out as a OGC web standard? Yes, that is correct. Whatever is downloaded to GeoNode is stored in different places. So vector data is stored in PostGIS and raster data is stored in a, in a special folder. When you upload data, let's imagine for a second that there was a, a layer already existing. Am I overwriting that, replacing it, appending to it, or creating a brand new layer each time? So there are options that uh, actually in the last release are options that you can uh, choose whatever you need if it is uploading a new layer for an existing one or replacing it or updating it. Is GeoNode itself, is that built, uh, what language is that built on? Like, can we interact with, with that side of the platform as well? So GeoNode is built on Django and Django is a very popular, let's say, modern web framework. There are ways to create pluggable, let's say, GeoNode Django apps. So in the last release, for example, 3.2, you can see GeoStories that's developed as an app. So that's the way that we can develop for GeoNode. Yes, it can be customized, but I strongly believe that it's better if we follow the architecture of the tool and be able then to create, follow the extensions and follow the plugin guidelines to be able to create your own app in this case. And when I create plugins, I, I assume anyway that the Django is built on Python. Is that, is that correct? I think that's correct. And so when we create these apps, and let's continue assuming it's Python, we create them and does that mean that I have full access to these different components, to the GeoServer component and to the uh, Postgres component via Python, via Django? So yes, but you have access to GeoNode. Yes, there is also some part that GeoNode uses in the same database, for example, to store information about the users and such. But in terms of, of the functionality, can I assume that I have complete access to all the functionality that exists in, in Postgres, for example, via GeoNode, or is it limited? Well, if you get to the code of Django and you get to the code of GeoNode, yes, you can have access to, to, to all the components. Okay, but if I'm using the, the user interface of GeoNode, then there, there are some restrictions. Is that the correct way of understanding it? Yeah, the user interface will not see that the database PostGIS is being used at all. It's totally transparent to the user. It's totally even transparent that there is a user server there. Oh, wow. But I guess that makes sense, actually, seen from a user's eyes, but seen from an administrator's eyes, I'm assuming that we can see those two different components. Perhaps now is a really good time to talk about like, how we administrate users and the roles and responsibilities we, we can give them. Well, it, it's very simple. It follows in like an authentication system that is very general. So you have roles, you have users and groups, and you can assign users to groups. You can assign roles to groups. So you can have admin role, and then you can have edition role, you can have viewer role, and also you can assign permissions to layers. So if you are creating a layer, let's say you have your own subgroup within an organization, you can also assign that particular layer 
or map to that particular group. When you say assigned to a group, does that mean only one group can see it or only one group can edit it or, or can it be a combination of the both? A combination of both. So oftentimes I think when we expose things to the general public like this, the ability to upload data, we would really like to know that it's good data that we're getting into our system. Can I set up any sort of validation rules when data is being uploaded and ingested? There are some validation rules but require manual step, but we are looking into creating more automatic validation rules. And you're not the first one asking for it. I think this is an important feature to have. So now, now that we understand a little bit more about how data gets into the system, the, the different components involved, what the users can do and the different ways we can sort of structure users and groups and their roles and responsibilities, maybe it's a good time to talk a little bit about what we can actually do with the data once it's in the system. I think we've mentioned web services before, but could you walk us through the other kinds of things that we can do with our data once it's in Geonode? So Geonode is a catalog. That's the, the first thing. And it's a catalog that can be used by users. And also, I forgot to mention, it has an API, so it talks catalog services for the web. But if a user logs in, it's very easy to search data. And you have on the left side, when you are searching for the data, you can filter, similar to how you do when you filter, for example, when you purchase something in Amazon or such. So you can create a bounding box to only limit the searches for a particular area. You can also limit by keyword, and you can provide also a set of filters to be able to just get the data what you want, because sometimes a catalog can contain thousands and thousands of data sets, so it will be very hard for you to search. You can search also by text, so whatever it's inside the metadata, it will be displayed. So that's the first part, that it allows you to search and discover. And once you are applying those filters, Let's say on the right side, you will see a preview and you will see the abstract of the data set. Very similar to what you do in other websites when you want to search or to buy something. And right? that you see a preview, you get you know, some insights of what's the item that you might be interested on. In this case, you have a preview of the layer and also you have you know, the abstract. Once you get to that point and you say, hmm, maybe one or two layers are interested, you can click on them and you can see all the detail of that layer. So you see all the metadata record and you see you know, all, all the information. And then there is a way for you to download it or to see it or to interact with Map Store. So there are different ways. There is a menu, for example, that says download the data and you can download it in several formats. If it is vector data, it can be CSV, it can be GML, it can be GeoJSON, I think shapefile. So it, you have a lot of options to download the data and then Use that data locally if that's what you want. If you have appropriate permissions, you can click on, on that uh, layer and you can do some edits. For example, add an attribute. You can uh, delete part of the geometry, add a geometry, and so on. You can create maps. And in this case, maps, you bring several layers that exist in GeoNode, and you can put them together to create a map. You can also style while you're looking. So you can you know, change the width and color of the lines and, and change the, uh, the colors of, of a raster data to create a nice map. And in the last release that Geostories was incorporated as an app, because that's the way GeoNode now handles like the plugins, uh, you can create a story. And this is very useful because you can not only present maps to the user, but you can add HTML that provides, for example, the context of the map that you're sharing, or you can add a video, or you can add images. 
and you scroll in that page and you're looking at the map, for example, on the left side with some points that you can click and get information, but at the right side, you see a story, the context that is needed for you to understand better the map that is being shown. And you can share that uh, story. So there is a link that allows you to share and it will take you to like a plain HTML file where those people that are getting the link will not even know that this is being displayed by GeoNode. So it's like a static HTML page that they can see, that they can play around with, and they can see the context. And in particular, like uh, organizations like World Bank and such, they like very much this feature because they can then tell the story to others about, for example, how the financial resources have been displayed, how the financial resources have been used by, for example, putting points on a map or coloring the map, depending on the impact that these financial resources have, have taken in that particular area. I just want to make sure that I've understood this. We, we were talking about stories just before. Is this the, the kind of story that we might know from ArcGIS Online? It is very similar. I think they call it immersive stories. It is, it is very similar, yes. I'm imagining, now that we know that GeoNode is built on top of GeoServer, that we can also click on these layers and say, I would like to expose this as in web standard. Is that correct? That is correct. So once I have a layer, if somebody is asking for, give me the WMS endpoint or the WFS endpoint, then there is a way to look at the layer, click on a menu that says, you know, get the data, and then you will have the WMS and WFS service that you can then forward to a click or you just use it uh, in your local client. You talked a, bit, a little bit about making maps before. Could, could you tell me a little bit more about that? What, what, what did you mean? Were these just single layer maps or are they more detailed maps with, with functionality, with analytic capabilities that we can share out onto the internet? So a, a layer is just a simple, let's say, feature information where you upload the data, for example, it's just like a shape file or, a rust, or you know, an image. When you have maps in GeoNode is where you can combine those so you can have multiple layers as a map. So you can have a base map, you can have, for example, the street boundaries, you can have points of interest, and you can have more information. And that's what we call a map in GeoNode. So this all sounds, sounds great. And we mentioned ArcGIS Online before. Is this the, like a, an open source version of, of ArcGIS Online? If we had to compare it to something, would that be a, a reasonably good comparison? I mean, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to compare, but I will say maybe the closest Esri product that can be compared to GeoNode is, yes, ArcGIS Online. And you also said right at the start of the conversation that this was an open source product. Does that mean I can just go and get an executable from a website somewhere, download it, and bam, I have GeoNode? Or is it more complicated than that? So we don't have an executable. There are a set of instructions that you need to follow to install the other components. I'm like, you know, you need to install all the tools that are needed, Python, etc. You need to install, you know, your server. You need to install a lot of other software. It's not only GeoNode. So we have a set of scripts. This is in the GeoNode documentation that tells in detail all the commands that you need to do to be able to install GeoNode. But currently, no, we don't have an executable. Would you mind sharing with us what version we are at at the moment in terms of GeoNode? Sure. So the latest version is GeoNode 3.2. And we had a webinar, this was beginning of May, where we highlighted all the new features. So I you know, welcome the, 
folks that are listening to this podcast to, to go to our website and search for that uh, Juno 3.2 blog, where highlights the latest features and also points to the recording of the webinar. So I, I will find that link and I'll put it in, in the show notes so people can click through from there. But would you mind just running through some of the points for us and perhaps giving us an idea of some of the new functionality that's been added in, in the last little while? So I already talked about GeoStories, which is my favorite. There were a bunch of libraries that were updated. This is Python was updated to 3.7. Django now, it has been updated to 2.216, GeoServer 2.18, Docker 3.4. Also, MapStore has advanced. Even though it's using MapStore, it's a little different version of the MapStore that you download if you were just interested in MapStore. So there was a little bit of enhancement to be able, for example, to add properly the styles. There are, for example, some templates that now can be used. So when you click on a map, on a point on a map, and you want to see information about that feature underneath, it's making a call called Get Future Info to a WFS service, which is the user server. And now you can use a template to be able to style the information that you show to the users better about that, that particular feature. So you can, for example, turn links to images if you want to do that. So there is a new REST API as well. So you were mentioning you know, several ways that we can interact. Like, do you know, for example, if you are in the development arena, how do you interact with, interact with your server? But this is how can you interact with your node in a programmatic way? Because sometimes you have a lot of data. Sometimes you want to do updates that is not on one layer, but you want to update 100 layers. So for that, it's very useful to have an API that you can interact with GeoNode. So there is a REST API that you can create most of, for example, a portal from scratch just using the REST API. You mentioned before that what happens when you upload new data. So now there is a way also to append data to an existing layer. So that's new. We have improved the map legend. Very important. The ability to add custom control vocabularies. So this is critical because a lot of communities, they use their own taxonomy, they use their own dictionaries to be able to tag the data. And now you're able to manage those control vocabularies. And it's using semantic web technology. So it's using RDF, which is Resource Description Framework. So you can upload that control vocabulary and then you can use when you're editing the metadata fields. Wow, it sounds like you've been really busy if you've added all these new functions and functionality in the last little while. Thank you very much for that. So this sounds like a, a big piece of software. Like it sounds like it's built for an organization that has a lot of data coming in and possibly also a lot of data going out. If you had to describe the ideal audience for GeoNode, what, what would that look like? Just so the listeners have an understanding of, of who this is, is made for, who should be thinking about using this. So a, a small comment um, before I go into details about the user. So it's not only GeoSolutions who is developing GeoNode, there are developers around the world that contribute to GeoNode. It happens that we have the core developers and we like to present it in, in a lot of meetings. This is FOS4G, for example, in this podcast. But there are a lot of developers behind GeoNode. So it's, uh, I will say it's a big uh, thank you to all the developers that participate in GeoNode, not only GeoSolutions. Okay, and now to, to the question. You are an agency and you don't have, say, a lot of resources to invest in a proprietary solution then you can use GeoNode. Yes, there might be a little gap or a little bit of investment at the beginning to be able to install it properly. But once you have it installed, 
you don't need to pay any license fees and it can work for for a lot of you know forever if possible so an agency that wants to set up what we call a special data infrastructure that's ideal and that's why it's been used in africa successfully and also in a lot of countries in latin america but also there are some communities for example uh, universities consortiums and now we're having conversation in the us about how this can be used in other groups because they have found that first they have more control over what extensions they can be used it is easy uh, customizable talks open standards i'm not going to say much better than others but all our our code is is glued with open standards so we really take it very seriously i will say the primary customer is those that want to create a special data infrastructure which is not only a government but also communities of interest that want to expose the data using geoportal tool that is open source so i think it's one thing to read all the documentation and get an understanding of the capabilities of geonode but is there anywhere we can go if we want to try it out and and see it working in the wild yes uh, we have a demo site and you can search this is demo master geonode and you can log in you can see layers you can see maps you can see the use sort of functionality and it's available for anyone we don't have really any control on who is logging in is a more a test site where we allow anybody that wants to explore more details on geonode and take a look at all the functionality i welcome all of you interested to go to the website and explore it thanks for mentioning that i'll, I'll include links to that as well in the show notes so people can easily find it luis thank you so much for for talking us through geonode thank you for for taking the time to explain it to me i realize i've probably asked a few really silly questions along the way but I really appreciate your time and I've enjoyed hearing about this tool. Is there anywhere the listeners can go apart from the links that we've mentioned already that is, is worth pointing out to them if they want to learn more about Geonode? No, I think that there are two places. One is, of course, the Geonode demo. The Geonode documentation is also a great place where you can get all the information about how to install it, you know, how to create maps, how to create users and such. So I, I believe these two places. And also, of course, our website which has a bunch of blogs related to GeoNode. Thanks again, Lewis. Really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. So again, thank you very much to OSGO for helping make this podcast episode possible. I really, really appreciate your support. If you are unfamiliar with OSGO and some of the projects, open source geospatial projects that they support, there'll be a link in the show notes to osgo.org and, and that would be well worth checking out. So during our conversation, Louise mentioned a couple of the components that are involved in or that are parts of, of Geonode. So he mentioned GeoServer and Postgres, uh, PostGIS. So I just want to point you in the direction of podcast episodes that can help you understand more about those two components. If you're interested, there'll be links to those in the show notes. Also talked about MapStore. Go back and listen to these episodes. And I'll, again, there'll be also a link to the, to the MapStore episode as well. Luis was also kind enough to give us a, a link to a demo installation of Geonode so you can go along and try it out for yourself and get a feeling for, for what it looks like, what it feels like and, and how it works. And that will be in the show notes too. So a lot of links in the show notes today. If you're interested in finding out more, that would be a good, really great place to start. And that's it for another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. Uh, I really appreciate it. As always, you're more than welcome to reach out to me on social media. You can find me at Twitter, just search for Mapscaping, or just search for host of Mapscaping Podcast, something like that on LinkedIn, and I'm pretty sure I'll pop up there. Those are the two channels where I'm most active. If email is your thing, 
just send an email to info at mapscaping.com. I would love to hear from you and I reply to every email that I get. It's also worth mentioning that we write some pretty amazing show notes. They're over at mapscaping.com. And so if you missed anything during the episode or wish someone was taking notes from you, go along there and, and check it out and see if we haven't got you covered there. Okay, that's it from me. We'll talk again next week. Bye.